for Jesus and show them an unconditional love. But he was wise enough to know that they needed their physical needs met also. So he came up with this plan to free the captives and the Salvation Army was born. I don't know about you, but that excites me. It excites me to be a part of such a history and to know that there are people that are a part of this, that are a part of this army that share the same passions that has burned in me my whole life. When I was young and, and I grew, started to grow up and began to lose that innocence, you know, that, that realization that life is not a fairy tale. It's filled with hardships and unfairness, hatefulness. The Lord started developing in me this stubborn passion to fight for goodness, for righteousness, not to be like the evil that I saw in the world. I remember being bullied at school over and over again, running to teachers and counselors, but they really couldn't help me that much. I saw firsthand how those who had less were treated. While my mother's side of the family would be considered middle class, my father's side was unfortunately very poverty stricken and they were divorced. I know others had it worse, but we, we knew what it was like to grow up without central heat and air. For a time, we had a wooden stove for heat. We had no dishwasher. We didn't have the latest clothing, fashions, and we didn't eat name brand foods. I would be embarrassed to get off the bus because of where we lived. And I just never could understand how people could be so uncaring towards other people. So a fight for the little guy, the underdog, developed in me. And I could not stand up to, I could not stand the bullies. And eventually, I made it my mission to stand up to them. Probably not always the way God would have intended me. But I knew life was not meant to be like this. That people were not made to act like this. That God had originally created us in his image to have a better life and to treat people better. Last week, as I mentioned, we started looking at Jude verses 17 through 23, and we saw how we, there's these illusions that the devil tricks us into, right? We saw that the weapons of this world are not the weapons that we fight with, but we fight with the divine power of God. We discussed the first half of these verses that we're not fighting in our own strength, but by abiding in love and God's grace by building our faith, and by a spirit-filled prayer life. Well, today, as I said, is our finishing round, and we're going to finish out these last couple of verses focusing on 22 and 23. And we're going to continue this study of how we fight. So let's read the, just those last two verses. Be merciful to those who doubt. Save others by snatching them from the fire. To others, show mercy mixed with fear, hating even the clothing stained by corrupted flesh. So God had laid this urgency upon Jude's spirit to expose false teachers and to encourage us to stand firm in our faith. And here in these two verses, we see not only to fight for our own faith, but for the faith of others. So as we continue our message this morning, I want us to look at how we fight for the salvation of others with our tools being love, mercy, and a righteous hatred. As verse 23 said, hating even, even the clothing stained, stained by corrupted flesh. So a successful battle must have a plan and a purpose, right? 
I mean, would you go into a battle not knowing why or having a strategy? So if, we're tr if we truly view this life as a spiritual battle and that we are called to fight for the lost and broken, then we need to have a strategy or a battle plan, right? The first thing that we need to remember is that the only way we are going to persevere through any spiritual battle is by first loving the Lord with all our heart. In our first message last week, we talked about the power of God's love. And if you have been saved and set free, you know firsthand that power. Well, in the same way, just like God's love is powerful, our love for the Lord has the ability to push us to keep going when we are faced with obstacles, difficult people, and even persecution and slander. It pushes us to want to save others to have that same experience that we have had. Philip's love for the Lord is what sustained him when he was stoned fueled Peter and Paul's ministry in the midst of adversity and rejection, and what still drives missionaries today. Back in the mid to late, teen, late 19th century, there was a great revival in Wales of Great Britain. As a result, many missionaries came out and went to northeast India to spread the gospel. Among some of those who were converted and saved was a man named Naksing. He and his family were a part of a tribe in Assam, India, called the Garo tribe. His faith and love for Jesus became contagious until the tribal leaders heard about this, and they didn't quite share in his enthusiasm. So the village chief ordered that Naksing and his family be brought forth and to renounce their faith in public or be executed. Moved by the Holy Spirit, Naksing said these words, I have decided to follow Jesus. The chief and his archers, the chief had ordered his archers to draw back on the man's two children and asked him again to renounce his faith. But by being so overwhelmed by the love of God, he continued saying, I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. No turning back. With that, the archers released the arrows into the two boys. The chief then drew arrows to his wife and asked him another time, will you deny your faith? But knowing he could not deny his savior, he proceeded, though no one joins me, still I will follow. The chief, of course, was furious and ordered Naksing's wife to be arrowed down. Then for the last time, he turns to Naksing himself and he says, I give you one more opportunity to die your faith and live. But in the face of death, the man said the final memorable lines, the cross before me, the world behind me. No turning back. He was shot with the rest of his family. But with their deaths, an amazing miracle took place. The villagers, being so astonished by his faith and belief, and belief, wondering what kind of faith would be so powerful that you would lay down the life of your family and yourself. A spiritual revival took place in that village that same day, and it is believed that every villager, including the chief himself, was saved. Naksing's final words became the most famous Christian hymn in India still to this day. 
and it's known throughout the world. I'm sure you probably recognized those lines. I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back, no turning back. Family, your love for the Lord has the power to save people's souls. Reaching the lost and broken is not always going to be easy. Sometimes we have to go into physical and emotional places that are uncomfortable. We have to sacrifice our time and our energy. And many of those who we reach out to don't even know they're lost. They may not even want to know they're lost. And those that are broken often don't know how to manage their emotions. You could get yelled at, blamed for their own shortcomings, and they may even hurt us. But your love for Jesus and for the Father is what is going to help you keep your focus and persevere through these moments so that you can still be Jesus to them. Have you ever had someone that constantly talks down to you, competes with you, or, or just gives you a hard time? Would you say that you love them? It's hard to love people at times, especially when you're dealing with someone who's negative or hateful. And the only way you're going to be able to love them through it, forgive them, and be Christ in their life is by loving the Lord with all your heart and doing it for him. Colossians 3, 23 through 24 reminds us, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters, since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as reward. It is the Lord Christ you are serving. So when our love for Jesus becomes our motivator. And when we see our role in earthly, earthly relationships as serving Christ, it frees us from anger. It frees us from that hurt and all those other negative emotions that Satan wants to control you with in those moments. And it allows you to begin to see that person in a more positive way, the way that Jesus does, allowing you not only to see the good or focus on their bad, but also to see their good. Maybe for the first time, you see a strength in that person that you didn't see before. Could be like how quickly they caught on to something and solved a problem. Some knowledge or skill set that they had that you didn't really pay attention to before. And even their bad traits, they begin to look different when we see them through the eyes of Jesus. You'll, you all of a sudden will begin to see a person who's trapped by the devil's illusions. The Holy Spirit may even reveal to you a deeper issue that is causing them to act the way that they do. See, your love for the Lord will allow you to love them in a way that goes beyond worldly love. To develop a spiritual agape, unconditional type of love. And it puts all of those things into that right perspectives. And truth be told, it makes people more tolerable. So let's look back at our scripture. The next instructions given to all believers in verse 22 and 23 is straightforward. It says, Be, being merciful to those who doubt, save others by snatching them from the fire. Now, this is not a suggestion. 
Jude makes it clear here that the Lord does not want us to just walk by and watch our fellow man die in their sin and just shake our heads like, that's so sad. If we claim to love the Lord with all our heart, then we will show it in our obedience to him by fighting for the faith of others. In the first part of 22, it says, be merciful to those who doubt. Now, this could be those who are just skeptical of the faith, don't believe at all. And it can also be those whose faith is slipping because of trials and temptations. Both need our patience. And typically, just storming up to a person or telling them that they're going to hell, condemning them in their time of struggle for their faith, is not going to help an individual who's doubting, who's wrestling with this doubt. I think about people who stand, you know, sometimes you see them on the street corners uh, with signs and they're talking about salvation and hell. And, and I know their intentions are good, but I wonder how much pe more people would respond if we had a sign that said something like, lost, question mark, hurting, question mark. Jesus is here and so am I. Things that make us more available, that lets people know Jesus is personal. Now, I don't want you to hear what I'm not saying. I believe in making sure that people know that there is a hell just as much as there is a heaven. I know that there is a sense of urgency just as our passage is sharing with us. He says to snatch them from the fire. But here we see that there's a balance of mercy and urgency. Judas saying some struggle with doubt and need mercy and patience. And then he goes on to say, save others by snatching them from the fire. But I don't think the mercy offered to the doubter ends with them and not given to the person who's in the fire of sin. Essentially, Judas showing us that there are some who struggle with doubt and lack of faith. And then there are some whose who struggle is more with the sin itself. And Jude wants us to have an urgency about it. And by repeating this thought in, of mercy in verse 23, again in verse 23, Jude is presenting that we should approach people with both. If we're in too intense, we can scare and anger others. If we're too passive, people may not perceive how important the message of the gospel is or damaging that their way of life is. And Jesus is always the best example, right? He gave us many examples to follow and how to approach both those who have had no faith or struggling with faith and, and those who are also struggling with sin. The Samaritan woman at the well, Jesus listened to her patiently. He let her explain her frustrations and he knew that her lack of faith and obedience came from the deep rooted hurts and past experiences in her. Even with those annoying, frustrating Pharisees who constantly questioned Jesus and doubted who he was, he showed a measure of patience. And he even sat down with Nicodemus answering his questions. Just like Jesus, we need to be willing to let those who are lost and struggling express their concerns, their hurts, fears, doubts, and questions. Jesus had to even constantly reaffirm those who were closest to us, to him. He said to his disciples over and over again, ye of little faith. But the power of his constant love gave faith for something better. Something that people longed for but could not explain.
In the same way, let us be patient in dealing with difficult people, with difficult circumstances, or just those uncomfortable moments. And be devoted, as it says in Romans 12.10, be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. So what I'm saying is don't be afraid to have those conversations. Be willing to go into those uncomfortable places and snatch people from the fire. Ask the Holy Spirit for opportunities and wisdom. And as you build these relationships, you get closer to people and you begin to learn and sense their temperaments, their personalities, and issues that they're dealing with. Then you can work with them. You're able to lean on the spirit and guide, and he will guide you through those conversations. By, by showing mercy to those who do not deserve it, we show them what real love looks like. We show them how strong and how powerful the love of God is, just like our friend from the story, I've decided to follow Jesus. Another way that this love and mercy saves others is by revealing sin's true darkness, which leads us to the last part of our battle plan this morning. We fight for the faith by distancing ourselves from sin and revealing its true darkness. The second half of verse 23 says, to others show mercy mixed with fear, hating even the clothing stained with corrupted flesh. Another verse that can be compared to this one is found in Galatians 6.1. It says, brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in a sin, you who live by the Spirit should restore that person gently. But watch yourselves, or you also may be tempted. Now, it's easy to jump right into the part of this verse that deals with the other person's sin. But if we're going to hate their sin, then that means we better hate our sin first. Amen? James 1.14 warns us that we are tempted when we are dragged away from our own evil or dragged away by our own evil desires and enticed. So we need to know ourselves and ask the Holy Spirit to shine a light in the dark areas of our own lives so that we can bring them to Jesus, that he can help us deal with them. And when it comes to praying about this sin, pray that the Spirit would create a disgust in you for it, that you would have a righteous hatred for sin, that that you would see the evil in it. Now, I'm not saying hate yourself. I don't want you to condemn yourself, but hate the sin. Hate the evil that is in it, to see it for what it is so that it will disgust you. You see, God has this way of gently bringing specific sin to light in us, to, to, to show us. And when he does, don't ignore it. We must surrender it to him and ask for forgiveness. Just remember, it is not up to you to be good enough and fix your sin. So don't get caught in this trap of trying harder, but be open to seeing the truth, admitting the sin. And when it's revealed to you, surrender it because it's the work of grace. It's the work of the spirit who sets us free from sinful desires and acts. Fighting for our faith is not about our effort to be righteous, but is about letting the spirit fight for us and through us. And I would, I would not be doing my job if I did not remind us that even when we give these sins over, even when we surrender it, 
Satan will bring it back up. He will tempt us again, even after we've been delivered, okay? In this passage that we read from Galatians and what Jude 23 is alluding to, it's telling us that one of these times that Satan tempts us with sin, even from our past, is when we're trying to help others. A lot of times, it'll be someone who's struggling with the same sin that you were already delivered from. It's the same sins that enticed you the most. For example, if your sin was anger, then you can bet at some point you're going to find yourself in a circumstance and be tempted to lose your temper with someone who's struggling to cool it as well. But in order to help them, you can't let their sin get, be your sin, right? So you have to remember that we have to have this righteous hatred toward the sin, not the person. Remember, this is a spiritual war, and the enemy does not play fair. He is going to tempt you with the very things, and he's going to tempt you when you least expect it. So when that time comes, remember God's word. Remember his promises. And one of those is found in 1 John chapter 4, verse 4. And say it, say it out loud. You, dear children, are from, are from God and have overcome them because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. And remember these lessons that we've been learning from last week and this week, that your strength comes from the love of God and for God. And lastly, remember, it is not you or I who delivers people. Even if you manage to get their attention and pull them away from the fire of sin, it is the Holy Spirit who stops them from jumping back in. You and I have been called to fight. Fight for the faith of others by being Christ to others. With a sense of urgency and determination, showing them love, mercy, and a Jesus who has the power to set them free. So look at sin, look at this sin that people walk in just like an ugly outfit, okay? Jude uses the analogy of clothing that is stained and contaminated by sin. You see, our clothing is supposed to be like the latest and greatest, the cleanest, sharpening outfit walking down the street. That's why I like this uniform. Not only does it look good, but it is made of the finest material that will never get dirty, fade, or tear. And the best part is you don't pay a dime for it. It was handmade just for you, and it is, it is not something that you could earn. Colossians chapter 3, 12 through 14 tells us that these clothes are compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. And when you wear these clothings, these clothes, it makes you stand out among everyone. And when you come alongside others and you show it to them, it causes the scales to fall off their eyes and all of a sudden they can see how dirty and raggedy their clothes really are. Then you get to be the one that tells them about the maker who created one just for them. A study Bible that I have, it says, fighting for the faith is not just a vigorous defense of the Christian faith but an advancement of the gospel as well. We are not fighting this war just to defend our faith among the world, but we are fighting lies and illusions of an enemy who blurs the truth and extinguishes true love, who uses people against people. 
You see, the devil knows he can't win the war against God, but he can come after what God most preciously desires, and that is his treasured creation. The thing that brings him the most joy and happiness, and that's what Satan wants to do. He wants to hurt God. So he comes after you, and he comes after me, and he comes after our children and our neighbors, our co-workers, and all of humanity. So don't act like Satan against your enemies. Instead, see the worst. Don't see the worst in each other, but see God. See Jesus in them and this need to fight for each other, to fight for our faith and to stand firm in this together with Christ in, this, in the love that he offers and the power that he offers to stand against the lies and against our common enemy. And if we do this, if we stay in this love with our whole heart and continue to build our faith in his word and in prayer and by gathering together in the Lord's presence, we can persevere through these trials. We can keep this good news going and we can advance the kingdom of God. My prayer this morning is that you will be Christ in someone's life. In the words of William Booth, once again, while there remains one dark soul without the light of God, I'll fight. I'll fight to the very end. This morning during our time of commitment, I want us to examine our lives. Ask the Lord to examine your commitment and your love for him and for others. Remember my story I was telling you about earlier um, when I was a young girl. I grew up not wanting to be like the world and fighting against those who were mean. I wish I could tell you that I never wavered or pers was persuaded, persuaded by Satan, but that's not true. I got so rebellious I became selfish and developed the traits being like the very people, being like the very people I despised. This world is hard and it, it's not always going to bring out the best in us. But I had to come to a place in my life where I stopped blaming others, where I stopped blaming the world. And I had to ask myself, am I just going to complain or am I going to do something about it? You see, all God desires for us is to come to him with a willing heart this morning. And he'll do the rest of the work. If you have sin in your life, if you know that God has been trying to show you something and, and deliver you from something, give it to him. Surrender. It's time to just give up. And if you're wavering in your faith, you don't even know who you, what you believe, who you believe, the altar is here. And the Father's arms are open. As the music plays, come to the altar, come to his arms Ask him. Ask him those questions that are burning deep inside of you. If you have hurt or anger, give it to him. To express it to him. That's what he's here for. Some of us may just be tired deep down in our soul. We've been fighting for a long time. And you just might need the Holy Spirit to renew you, to refresh you. I know that I need God's grace in my life every day. And I have to have that grace being poured into me so that I can give it to others. So this 
place is here for you this morning. His spirit is here for you this morning to receive just that. If you're tired, just rest in his love this morning. Just come and let him love on you. Dear Heavenly Father, we invite your spirit here, Lord God. We know that you're here, Father. We know that you have called us to fight for our faith, to fight for others, Lord. We know that you love us. Lord God, give us courage in these moments. Give us strength to surrender to you, Lord. And when we need refreshing, God, pour your spirit over us and in us. Help us, oh Lord, just to rest, to rest in your love, to face the new day and a new fight, to do it your way. In Jesus' name.